face Wrapped up like a deuce Another runner in the night Blinded by the light Wrapped up like a deuce Another runner in the night Hello, and welcome to the June edition of Dick's Picks. This month, Carter's Picks. Remix, Carter's Picks once more. And we are delving once more into the waters of the political thriller with John Schlesinger's Marathon Man from 1976. With me is Mr. Dick. Hello, <laughs> Hello Mr. Dick. <laughs> Oh, it is another political thriller. I didn't. Uh, so this is your your scene. Uh, is, I'm in the knots. You're in the political thrillers. That's that's what it seems to be, at least for the time being. The other option I had for this was also a political thriller. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what yeah, this. Uh, about, I don't. I think 2022 has been a political thriller kind of year for me. I just started yeah. watching that show, Slow Horses, which I think you've seen. Yeah, great. I read the first two books. Oh, really? It's awesome. I was telling you about that, I think. It's no, you shot. were. Uh, but we'll leave that for another time. Today mm-hmm. is a celebration of Marathon Man. Uh, directed by John Schlesinger. Are you familiar with the work of Mr. Schlesinger? The only pre- people I'm familiar with in this movie are Dustin Hoffman and Jaws. Um, the rest of them were just kind of old-timey actor folks for me. Well, the director... John Schlesinger, an Englishman, uh, director of Midnight Cowboy. Are you familiar with this picture? I've not seen it. I know that there's a I'm Walking Here. It's also a New York movie. Yes. Um, with Dustin Hoffman. Yes. And, and Only Jiggle. X-rated movie to ever win Best Picture. Really? Yes. It's very bizarre. I'm not a big fan of it, but. Well, I don't think they have X anymore, so it, they must have like canceled it afterwards. Uh, I don't know how long that rating actually lasted. I know Clockwork Orange was rated X. Uh, Midnight Cowboy is rated X. Uh, I I don't think X X was a rating in the 90s. Do you remember in Regal Cinemas, they used to have a poster of the different ratings? And I think X. I don't remember, but I think it's it's better than NC-17. It's just like adding numbers for, it's it's confusing. All of them should have, well, PG-13 has numbers too. Well, X, X, I think, just has like a real sort of symbolic resonance. It's like forbidden. Yeah. <laughs> it's right no X. This one is not X, though, right? No, but I think there were cuts of it that were, that were borderline. This, this movie suffered some, some uh, post-audience screening editing. But anyway, mm-hmm. John Schlesinger, director of Marathon Man, also director of Midnight Cowboy, best known uh, as an up-and-coming British New Wave director. You're familiar with this movement in film? No, but it, it had a <laughs> lot of like uh, Raymond Chandler vibes to it. I don't know. It had like the the 70s thriller vibes where everything's a little slower kind of thing, but they're doing fast stuff. Yes. Like if this were, were made today, you'd have some like EDM and all the chasing. Well, definitely. Um, I mean, Schlesinger's sort of the thing he's known for is like a very expressive editing style. Do you remember mm-hmm. the sort of like inserts and flashbacks and stuff we get through this movie? It's yeah. very, very characteristic of his sort of technique. Mer- uh, uh, Midnight Cowboy takes that to like a ridiculous extreme that I find 
very off-putting. <laughs> but I think Marathon Man has the the technique in a much more digestible and entertaining way. Um, yeah. But I'm a very big fan of Schlesinger's early British movies. Billy Liar is one I recommend very heavily. I think it was a big influence on Wes Anderson's career. Um, like, like he tells lies, or it's the Billy he is he is a liar. Instrument. He's a okay. he's a, <laughs> he's a guy who he's like a works at a uh, I think like an undertaker. It's basically like a pencil pusher, and you know he just basically daydreams all the time about all kinds of wild stuff and the oh. the most interesting parts of the movie are the sort of dramatizations of his of his daydreams um but anyway that's on john schlesinger very very important director in the 60s and 70s this is kind of his last really big movie the next one he makes is yanks uh which also has william devane in it i'm a very big fan of that movie but that's one oh. like even less people have seen than have seen marathon man which is decreasing by the year <laughs> It's called Yanks. I thought you meant it like Yanks, like he yanked it off. All no, the no, no, off. no, 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 no. It's called Yanks. It's a, it's a, it's said like before D Day. It's got, uh, it's about American GIs in England mm-hmm. and just sort of how they interact with the the local population. Uh, it's cool. a very charming movie, <laughs> very different than this, which is very tense and uh, pretty violent for the seventies in some stretches. Um, I'd say so. Written by William Goldman, based on his own novel. Are you familiar with the work of one William Goldman? And not New York Magazine columnist. Uh, (laughs) He was the writer of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I'm sure you've you've heard of. Everyone's heard of that. I've seen that. Okay, yeah. He wrote that movie. um, Wrote all the President's Men, which came out a year. That's very. Yeah. Also, I think. He did not write the book, but he adapted it for the screen. Um, did a bridge too far the year after this? Have you seen that? One of the great World War II movies. And then he wrote the novel and the screenplay for The Princess Bride. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. Now you're speaking my language. So he's All done right. some big stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, screenwriters aren't exactly uh, famous, but if there were to be famous screenwriters, William Goldman would be one of them. He wrote an excellent book about his career called uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade, um, which I highly recommend. It's got some nice nuggets about this movie. And uh, you get some nice stories about how William Goldman hated Robert Redford and uh, and Dustin Hoffman. Uh, (laughs) Well, yeah. Dustin Um, Hoffman seems, yeah. Well, in this, he, play, he plays like a PhD student in this movie, but he looks like he's about 50, um, which, you know, that people... was one of the things Andrea said. She actually called out his age. Like during the filming, I think he was 38 and she was like, that looks like a 38 year old. Oh, really? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. She has a gift because spotting ages. Mm-hmm. Even and it's harder with uh, like all these old movies because everyone looks old. Every yeah, everyone's smoking, everyone's drinking mm-hmm. hard liquor, so they you know they look like they're about forty when they're twenty five. Um, mm-hmm. This movie starring me. the previously mentioned Dustin Hoffman, uh, mm-hmm. sort of at the apex of his career, I think coming right off of uh, all the President's Men, um, Lawrence Olivier, one of the greatest Is it actors before before. or after graduate though. It's it's very much postgraduate. The graduate, yeah, <laughs> in more ways than one. 
okay. <laughs> but I think Graduate is 68 or 69. That's like okay. that's the movie that like really brings him uh to the forefront. And then he does Midnight Cowboy, I think 69. So um you don't think he peaked on Rain Man? Rain Man or, or was a huge 50? hit. So you know, you might be 50? right. <laughs> I like Tootsie. I don't, I don't know. I like this one better. Um, but Rain Man's a good shout. Uh yeah. I think that's more of Tom Cruise's movie, but what else is Lawrence Olivier in? He's, he's the greatest Shakespearean actor of all time. I'm sure no, you're familiar with his Sir Hamlet. Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart is the greatest Shakespearean You're, you're showing that this is a blind spot for you and your ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Um, something about... Something what about what would you comments. know him for? Uh, the Boys from Brazil, another 70s Nazi thriller where people no. are trying to clone Hitler. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you'd know him from. I mean, uh, he's in a scene in Last Action Hero where Arnold Schwarzenegger murders cool. him because he finds his version of Hamlet boring. Uh, oh, or because he's not because he's a Nazi. He <laughs> he's a not Nazi a Nazi in Hamlet. He's a Dane. He's a he's a depressed intellectual Danish man. Uh, okay. uh, what well, I, I really don't know what you would have seen. I mean, a lot of his stuff from like the forties and like the th- he was really good in Wuthering Heights in nineteen thirty nine. Uh, yeah. Really good in Rebecca, Best Picture winner from nineteen forty. Um, wow. His Henry V in nineteen forty six won Best All Picture. Right. <laughs> he was great. He was good in this. Let's. Who else is in it? Jaws. Jaws is it. Jaws. Roy Scheider. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I mean, was given this novel while he was shooting Jaws. Um, oh. Yeah. William Devane, my favorite actor from the late seventies. Uh, is that uh, Janeway? That's Janeway. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he played like the president in a season of Twenty Four. I see it. He's got a good head of hair. <laughs> that guy. If you look at his IMDb, he's played like different presidents in about 12 different movies or TV shows. Shifty eyes, but good head of hair. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. He's got a very strong head of hair. Mm-hmm. Very, very strong. He looks like he's just sort of a hairy guy all over, um, but just sort of projects uh, 1970s bureaucratic authoritarianism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, who else is in the, the woman? Uh, Martha Keller Elsa. Elsa was in Black Monday, another 70s political thriller I was considering for this. There aren't really a whole lot of other big characters. Um, no, they're, they're the few uh, German henchmen. Yes, uh, one of whom's in The Godfather. And The Professor, but everyone else is only in for one scene. Professor Biesenthal. Yeah. And then the Frenchman who gets murdered is in something i've seen um what is it oh charade yes the audrey hepburn movie he just looks like a frenchman um oh the antique stealer exactly yes um released in the u.s october 8th 1976 uh and what seemed to be very turbulent a month or so uh came out one month after the death of mao zedong Mm, okay. Two days after the arrest of the Gang of Four and the official end of the Cultural Revolution. Okay. 
five days after Hank Aaron played his final game. Man, okay. And one week before the first ever vice presidential debate. Kind of like, why? Why do you need to be <laughs> vice president? What, what was the date that it came out? October 8th, 1976. So okay. it was then the lead up to the 1976 election won by, you remember? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. There you go. Deposing uh, Gerald Ford. Put me uh, on the spot. <laughs> One of the remaining uh, living presidents, Jimmy Carter. Yep. Um, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 81%. Uh, it. A budget of $6.5 million for the time. I know half a million of that went to William Goldman for the script. Uh, so today, that's $32 million. Uh, box office of 28 million so today 142 so pretty successful yeah it's not yeah. like a doctor strange in the multiverse of madness type success but it doesn't have the budget of a movie like that either and it is a very Did adult you watch doctor strange was that a success i thought it was terrible <laughs> yeah it did very well at the box office though I, I when should... it came out on disney plus i watched it and i was like ah ah <laughs> Kinda, that was one where know, I was like, what's happening? What's yeah. their powers? Why yeah. are they doing this? <laughs> Musical notes? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that was a bit much. Marathon Man is much more grounded. Uh, De- definitely a little bit more straightforward with some murkiness. Yes. But it all comes around. You so out. in a change of pace, because this is Carter's fix, uh, the plot breakdown will be attempted to be carried out by Mr. Dick here. Yep. So any, any, if you want to watch this movie, it's on Amazon Prime, so you can pause now and, and watch later uh, or listen later. But I think your enjoyment yeah, of the movie right. would not be depleted if you listened to this before. So I, yep. I'm, I'm standing by to correct you or to fill in any information that you may miss. Please. Give it a Please. go. I strained so, very hard on my own synopsis, so we'll see if yours matches. <laughs> oh, you did? You worked really hard on it. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I, I found the Wikipedia synopsis very lacking. <laughs> well, so. I'm going to go off the dome uh, based off my notes, so if I missed anything, you just let me know. Uh, okay, this. so we start setting the scene. New York, we're following uh, Mel Brooks in his safe, safe vault in a bank. Mm-hmm. And he goes and checks on a Band-Aid box. What's in the Band-Aid box? Who knows? Uh, all I know is that I aspire to one day own a safe deposit box because that signifies well. Especially uh, in a bank in Manhattan. Something's <laughs> going to happen to this old man because you just know he's he seems like a, a side player. But it's a normal day in New York because there are some angry people out and about. He's yes. driving around the city uh, getting really mean with other drivers <laughs> and he his car breaks down in the middle of the road his mercedes car comes behind him and he gets in a fight with the guy behind him who says get going get going and he says shut up and then you realize that he's a Nazi. well he goes yudin yudin <laughs> to the person the old man behind him just a normal old man old man goes, you fucking nazi <laughs> yep and then they get into a crazy car chase. Well, the, the uh, old Jewish guy starts bumping into him. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it like so, jump starts the car. Yeah, and it knocks out the Jewish man's car for a little bit. But yes. <laughs> but then he gets it going and he's like, uh uh-huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, we uh cut to Dustin Hoffman doing Babe. his training run. Yep. Babe. And he's just running around laps. At this time, there were no Timex digital watches with stopwatches, so he's got a nice big stopwatch on his on his And he neck. like keeps in like his shorts. He, it's around, yeah, around his neck and his shorts, so he checks it every run. And he gets into it with another jogger. Another uh-huh. jogger sits, starts talking shit to him. I've never been on a jog where I've, like, passed someone to talk shit to him. <laughs> I, think, I think that these guys are regulars around the Jackie right. Onassis Kennedy Reservoir. They're regulars, so, and they, so they got a history. Okay, yes. that's for the next movie. <laughs> and he starts chasing uh-huh. that guy. Yes. Runs out of Meanwhile, breath. Uh, we go back to the old men and they're in a of like a 25 mile per hour <laughs> rampage car chase down New York alleyways. Running and red lights. Running red lights, bumping into each other. And up ahead of them, unfortunately, is a giant fuel tanker pulled <laughs> backing up into the middle of the road. Right outside but, of like a Jewish wedding, something like that. Yeah, a Jewish wedding, which they, they can't stop because they're too they're in too deep. Yes. And they both crash into it and it explodes and they both die. And the the Nazi with him burns up his safety deposit key. Yes. We have a nice insert shot of the key mm-hmm. on the floorboard. Melting away. And Babe so, sees yeah. this. Or at least the, the aftermath. Oh, no, 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 no. Over the bridge. Yes. yes. All the runners stop and are just running in place. Yeah. Just, and he yeah like, he's jogging in place. He's not like one of us that are like taking a break at the stop. No, he just sort of looks at it for a second. He's like, ah, oh, it's New York. This happens all the time. He's a real marathon man. Yes. And but little does know, he know that this car crash will prove very impactful to his yes. life. After this, we cut to Jaws in yes. France. Yes. And he has uh, a, also has some band-aids. Doc. Yes. Jaws, uh, the actor in Jaws named Doc also has band-aids and he's in Paris. Yes. Uh, he, during a big pollution protest where everyone's biking around the city like hooligans. Yes, goes, very timely. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't go away. <laughs> we only have one of these planets. Uh-huh. He, he goes into an antique store and he does a uh, shifty trade with the antique man who wasn't very French looking, very French antique man. And, I'm surprised and, to see uh, him. Yep, he was not expecting to see Doc. So Doc is a little off put because he's there on a mission with the band aid box, and the band aid box is also connected to the Nazi man who died. So we're suspicious of Doc now, right? Yes, yes. And Doc also feels someone is following him. And someone is following him, and they have a baby in a stroller. Yes. But and he Doc is looking in behind him, looking behind him, gets back into a taxi cab, and that someone drops that stroller right next to the taxi cab, and the baby's doll eyes slowly <laughs> open, and the bomb explodes. Uh, and it doesn't kill Doc. Doesn't kill Doc but it blows out the taxi 
and he's supposed to he's supposed to meet the frenchman at the opera later he is oh yes he is supposed (laughs) to meet the frenchman says i'll leave the tickets for you at the door i will call because yeah doc doesn't want to go doc's like uh i'll get there before it's over (laughs) there's some spy craft he'll show up um then we cut back to Dustin Hoffman running across, say, what was it, Columbia? Columbia Cause University. Because he's in grad school. I've never been to Columbia. I just, they must have mentioned it. But he goes into his super uh, exclusive. Uh, high, exclusive seminar with a professor. Yes. And the professor talks to him about how they excelled and how he's chosen them and he's ready to give them the history lesson of their lives and Running through the meat grinder, blah blah blah. Yeah, does it the Tennyson um, quote? Oh, I don't have the te- oh. Doc knows the Tennyson. Yeah, no, babe, babe, yes, Tennyson. but he's afraid to speak. Yes, Loxley Hall and Loxley Hall, fifty years later. Yeah. What does that mean? He's fr- he he's afraid to speak. Is that like some sort of character thing? Well, remember shows? remember what said about. Doc and the father says, Your father was a coward, your brother was a coward. <laughs> so yes, I think it and has something to do with uh, you know, the cowardice. His father was also a Columbia history professor who yes. was implicated during the Red Scare with McCarthy's yes. communist list because he was studying flashbacks. in the field of tyranny and government. Uh huh. And I guess McCarthy thought that it came too close to what he was doing. But uh, Babe is doing the same thesis. He and is. the professor mentions that he will have to cover the McCarthy era. He's trying to exonerate his father. This is his mission. Yes. He, he must uh, redeem his father because he knows his father wasn't a communist and he was innocent. Well, he, so, asked, he asked the professor, was my father innocent? He says, your father was guilty of being vain and a coward. Yep. <laughs> but of the crimes... He was, was, was he German, too? No, that's was... more sort of East, East Coast, semi-British okay. academic elite accent I was trying to do. All right, I hear you. Your, your, so, your father was guilty of being vain. That's more Southern. So after this scene, we go back to Paris, and yes. I have an inkling now that uh, Jaws and Dustin Hoffman are connected. Linked somehow. Um, and I say they must be brothers. Really? Uh, yeah, it's in the notes. It's true. <laughs> um, and Jaws is going to the opera, and I think either Leclerc, as the name of the antiquer, is the setting him up, yeah. or he's dead. And it turns out Leclerc has been murdered. Well, it, it hits you with the nice little fake, though. Because yeah, he goes he into goes the wrong into box. Wrong box. <laughs> he goes in the right box. And he Broke finds Leclerc. Uh, yeah, because it's the wire yep. choking thing. But there's yeah. a man in the audience looking at the, the booth with yeah. a yeah. golden so eye. Knows. So he has an eye on Doc. Yes. He knows who he's looking for now. Um, and then we get he, Doc doing the hotel room push incline yes. push-ups no next we see him leaving the opera and uh, he uh, to yes who uh who is a, there to do a drop and he says watch out for being followed let's not do this drop go that way into that dark alleyway <laughs> and he stays put by a column and yes. waits and waits 
and waits. And then a soccer ball comes back at him from the dark alleyway. And I think she's dead. And this guy has a soccer bomb kicked at, at him. What is he going to do now? <laughs> he just goes back to his, his hotel and he does his American Psycho morning routine. That's yep. what he does. Eats, drinks his orange juice, does his push-ups. Mm-hmm. Goes to the balcony and, and watch a parade mm-hmm. on the Champs-Élysées. Mm-hmm. And he's just taking in his day, having his <laughs> coffee. But he doesn't realize that the man with the golden eye who... Uh, did the baby bomb is in his room Uh, I assume that the man got in when uh, the hotel staff dropped off the wrong suit earlier in the movie but uh, that might be true or not Um, so the man with the wire attacks very very stylistically his sort of face emerges in the curtains and you can see someone on a balcony across the street an old man an old man in a wheelchair and Doc in this man's struggle, he blocks the, the wire from getting Blood his neck. Spurts out of his yeah, hand. Yeah, it goes right into his <laughs> hand. And they struggle and they fight. And he somehow survives and breaks the, breaks the man's neck. Yeah. Um, I and I think uh, I don't know what's going on next. I just say, what are, what's up with all these couriers, you know, with these band-aid boxes? I have no idea, but like I kind of Seems sneaky. I would keep all of my stuff in a band-aid box like that, like an old school tin one. Yes. Very sneaky. Very. Um, uh, then we go to Dustin Hoffman studying in the library yep. where a nice French lady sits down across from him. Swiss, him for a, I believe. Swiss. Swiss. Asks him for a pencil, yeah. which he cannot share, but he can stalk her all the way home afterwards. <laughs> Um, oh, and intentionally steal her personal property for the purpose that has her home address so he creepily follows her home and says I've returned your book blah 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 then she says thank you and opens the door and goes inside and he follows her inside <laughs> of her apartment building and she walks up the stairs and she he follows her up the stairs and she says uh uh, she notices he, that he's limping and he says, I twisted my ankle on the way down here. So I was just hoping to give it a little rest. Mm-hmm. She said, but you aren't limping. And he says, well, I'm a marathon runner. When you race 26 miles, you don't give into pain. Uh-huh. It hurts, but I don't pay any attention. So, you know, is there, is there some toughness under the surface shows that he's a tough guy. Do you think all of our runner friends watched this movie in high school? They were like Marathon Man. They were like pre Prefontaine Marathon Man. Chariots of Fire, Marathon Man. Fire. <laughs> I don't I think, think anyone probably. watches this movie anymore. <laughs> I think probably. Uh, at this point, I know she's a courier as well because, you know, why would they introduce her if she wasn't connected? Well, another, if she was a normal person, she'd be like, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. You creep? Yeah. So... After their meeting, we go somewhere else. I'm not really sure where. Vietnam, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in Spanish. South America. Yeah. They start speaking Spanish. And then I think, oh, probably Argentina. That's where all the Nazis went, right? Yes. So maybe we, Uruguay. Seemingly on a river. Yeah, on a river. Pretty nice, secluded. And they yeah. start speaking another language. And there's no subtitles for their language. So I have no idea what they're talking about. 
my Spanish. Uh, I think they're, they're just talking class. about the old man. You're like, why is he being mm-hmm. so weird? But we are introduced to the big bad, and we know that they, he's a big bad because he has a room full of skulls, big <laughs> skulls, little skulls, cat skulls, monkey skulls, human skulls, dog yeah. skulls, tiger skulls. Listening to some weird German opera. He has so many skulls, and he gives himself a scissor haircut. So yes, you know the top he's of his head. Yeah, psycho oh, into uh, like a bowl. It's like a yep, fancy bowl. bowl. He's just cutting his hair into mm-hmm. like a creep. So he's now a player. He's somehow moving into the game. Yes, and we get to go back to the romance that it is. Well, no, he, he, he. We next see him on a boat. He's got the whole top of his Eating. head shaved. Mm-hmm. He's just on a boat. You got some guys with AKs looking on from the edge of the yep. river. Yep. You know, sometimes <laughs> you got to get, he wants to get his hands dirty. Something important <laughs> is going on and he needs to, the boss needs to step. Pouring in. rain on him as he wears a heavy jacket and has an umbrella. You know, they don't have the Gore Tex that we have. No, they don't. <laughs> They're not as waterproof as we are now. So, we uh it becomes a romance movie we get babe and elsa babe and elsa fall in love do lots of stuff she times apart. him around the jackie onassis reservoir yeah. what a supportive girlfriend <laughs> just being like i'm gonna sit here as you run around this lake and eat cheese and bread yeah i mean yeah good for good not for even that. a like a reservoir true love uh so then, or maybe something else yeah, maybe something else. Although, stay, I don't know. They stay at Central Park a little too late one night. Too late. And some muggers go out. Wearing them. suits. Yeah, fancy muggers. <laughs> and they get something from Elsa. Well, do they? you actually see them get something from Elsa? Or do we just know that she has some Band-Aids that they stole from her? We we Yes. I don't think we ever see anything, but... It's mm-hmm. it's made very clear that Dustin Hoffman is sort of thrown away from where Elsa is, and something's happening that we mm-hmm. can't see. So they get back, and uh, Dustin goes to his. He apartment. writes a letter to his brother. He writes a letter to his brother Doc, and we find and Doc appears. Well, Babe says he, it's the first time he ever felt like killing somebody. Yeah, yeah. He says I'm he so love. angry, Doc. Yeah. I've never felt this angry before. Man, and then one night down in a letter. That'd be, that'd, <laughs> I couldn't imagine writing a letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we don't. Uh, one night, Babe is in his room, hears noises, yells out to the darkness. I've got a gun. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Boom gets taken down. But lucky for him, it's his brother, Doc. Doc. That's Doc the reveal Jaws. that you saw a mile away, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, he's I'm got his fancy think... Beaujolais that Babe gives him in a beer glass oh, the, that's dirty. The wine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So Doc is the urbane man of the world who pretends to be an oil executive. Oil oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know he's not an oil man, <laughs> but he's there because. Why is he there? He's just well. He's not, uh, he, he knows something's about to go down in New York. He knows that the couriers are being targeted, mm-hmm. and I think the next thing we see is 
the old German man landing in New York City and being mm-hmm. picked up by the same two men who mugged Baby Nelson earlier. And he says uh-huh. something like, all oh, the Americans were always convinced that God was on their side. Now I think not so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, oh, are we going to finally figure out what is going on? Uh, but we kind of don't. We kind of do. No, uh, um, well, Doc takes Elsa and Babe to, to lunch. And interrogates Elsa. Well, first he starts well, he, he, he sort of puts on airs of, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I have a friend who goes skiing in this beautiful town in Switzerland. You know the place. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I know the place. She Catches her in her. a lie. Catches her in a lie. Mm-hmm. But Babe can't believe you know, it. No, something's up. Yeah. Babe's just like, Babe's at this fancy restaurant and they haven't put on a <laughs> clip-on bow tie you can tell babe is very proud of his brother that his brother can can go to a place like this he's like oh yeah doc is a mover and a shaker let him let me show him off to my girlfriend but then doc's like oil man oh this lady's lying so we still we know that dustin hoffman is the protagonist and his brother is doc yes doc is working with He's, he is involved with. The he's connected so in some way with, with the German yeah. man. So is he a bad man too? We don't know. <laughs> but we after this dinner, Doc meets with the head Nazi. Yes. Made it all the way into America, and he Doc says knows that Elsa was planted on his brother. Yes. Why are you getting my brother involved? Cell. You don't involve family. Yeah. Slap cell and cell says, I'm an old man, you're just looking for a fight. I don't know better than that. And then stabs him with his retractable. Well, well, no, 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 no. He he's he's asking him if he can trust him and uh-huh. if he's concerned, you know, with his safety. And Doc's going, mm-hmm. I couldn't give a fuck about your interrupted bam, stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Was just stabbed. All we know is stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. We know later on that it's a Fun retractable knife that he keeps in on him at all times. Like an evil Nazi bastard that he is. Yeah, bad Wolverine. Dr. Christian uh, Shell is this fellow's name. Shell. Shell. <laughs> and he is, uh, he's doing some bad stuff throughout this movie and before this movie too. He's done some bad, he's a bad man. <laughs> he's a bad he's man. The <laughs> um, doc gets so, stabbed. Doc gets babe, stabbed. Babe wakes somehow, up again. In the middle of the night, noises. Uh-huh. Doc it's somehow Doc. has made his way all the way back to this apartment in the Upper West Side. In blood, yes, in blood. So all the color like, removed from his face, he looks like a ghost. Yeah, no one saw him stumbling around <laughs> in New York City and thought. Well, people saw him. It's hospital. New York in the seventies. People get stabbed all the time. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Doc whispers something uh, in his, into Dustin Hoffman's ear. Drops dead. Drops dead. And I say, what was Doc? Was he CIA? Oh. Uh, he, you find out because Janeway. Who was well, the, well the, the police come. They take all the pictures. They're messing around with all his stuff. Mm-hmm. Picking up the pictures mm-hmm. of his that dad. Okay. Get the pick up the gun. He's like, Oh, that gun's licensed. I have a license, I have a license yep. for that gun. And then suddenly, 
a guy we saw earlier talking with Doc, William Devane of the great yeah, hair he, fame, comes in with some yeah, big dick he energy. And Doc were playing, were they playing squash in France, yes. I believe? Yes. Yeah. And they were saying, because Doc's hand was on the mend. And yeah, he's like, ah, he, he's not have a forehand bad, for a bad squash accident, <laughs> Doc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would you just fix this up for us? So this character, Janeway, with the hair, tells uh, Dustin Hoffman that his brother Doc and he worked together in something called the Division. Division. Which is something that they work in between. They do what the FBI can't do and the CIA doesn't want it. Yes. Where the Division works. Yes. Uh, When they took out that body bag, did they have handles on it? I don't know. That's a good. If they haven't invented that, <laughs> that's I a good nitpick. Our, our billion dollar idea. We put handles on body, on body bags. bags. Yeah, I think surely there must be a better way of doing the chalk outline. Mm-hmm. Well, it was inside, so they had to use tape. They yeah, the chalk on the carpet. <laughs> no, Vape um, did have a pretty trashy place, but Jane White serves as basal exposition for this yeah. next five minutes. And he says, uh, well, what was the exposition? It was just well, he goes, he goes, when it when it doc, we did the dirty jobs that the FBI and the CIA yeah. didn't want to do. One of yeah. Doc's jobs was to be a courier for Shell, a Nazi mm-hmm. war criminal who made a fortune mm-hmm. hoarding the wealth of Jewish families murdered at Auschwitz, known as their vice angle. Dude was prominent man of white hair and for his mm-hmm. cruel experiments. That's so he why says, he says Doc he would transport the diamonds and that any time the division wanted a PR win, bringing in an old Nazi war criminal, Shell would give them information on the whereabouts of the ex-Nazis in exchange for the division acting as couriers for his okay. illicit diamond operation. <laughs> Which... When, when does he ever get his hands on these diamonds? It seems like they never go to Uruguay or wherever he is. He's just hoarding them away. Well, I think his brother is a key part of this whole operation. The New York brother. Yeah. That died. Yes. <laughs> okay. At the very so, beginning of the movie. Yeah. And so in some like way, I think, I think, I think obviously he has the diamonds where he lives. And some sort of system moves those diamonds to the safety deposit box in New York, which is the yeah. ultimate destination. Why? I don't know. <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's no use keeping diamonds in Uruguay, I guess. I mean, I guess uh, I think that the brother is using the diamonds to create capital that can get okay. sent back to Uruguay so that he can hire his domestic staff and uh, you know buy skulls on eBay and some such yeah I don't think he buys the skulls I think he <laughs> I think that, he probably earns them, you them. Think that those so, are the product of his research so we find out that he's a bad Nazi man and he's in the states so something's happening but also Doc, Doc in some ways worked for him but also was maybe planning on robbing him yeah maybe but and that's really. why well, we don't know. It seems and, like he was. And we like don't know was. what he told Babe. No, we never find out either. 
No. Because they ask him, uh, was it Janeway? Ask him, Captain Janeway? <laughs> Mr. Janeway? Yeah. Mr. Janeway asks Dustin Commander, Hoffman what he said. Probably. Commander, Commander Janeway. Janeway. <laughs> uh, and Dustin Hoffman says, he just said my name. Yeah. And Janeway says, whoever did this is probably going to come and figure out what happened to you. What probably going to kill you. Probably going to kill you. So I'm going to use you for bait. <laughs> Dustin yeah. Hoffman says, great, I'm going to take a bath. Yep. So he gets into the bath. And he's just chilling as he does. He hears noises. With a uh, with washcloth and he hears noises. And he hears his door's open. Coming. Mm-hmm. What? Yep, it was open. So <laughs> Janeway left it open, you think? Is that what you think? I don't know. <laughs> oh. But the door to the bathroom is also open. And so then a sudden out, move jumps out, locks the door. the door, turns off the lights. Yep. And Puts on some pants. A lot of butt action for all of you interested in <laughs> Dustin Hoffman's. Butt. Yeah. <laughs> so you see some butt, and he just stands there in the dark. And then he turns on the lights and tries to escape, but his window is, you know, locked. And he smashes the window and starts we hear, yelling help. We hear more noises. Little locks coming off. The door frames coming off. <laughs> yeah, for the door frame. Yep, the door. Second by second, more damage. He's, he's yelling, he yell, help as loud as he can, as yep. loud as he can. And finally, he says, okay, I got to make a run for it. And he gets caught yep. in the room into darkness. Yep. And he's taken away where we don't know, but he wakes up in a chair, bound to the chair. Mm-hmm. And some people come in and they have a whole... You know, they're ready for torture. <laughs> they have and torture on the mind. Torture's coming, and uh, Shell comes in as well, and he says, what does he say, Carter? Is it safe? <laughs> he says it. Is it safe? Oh, is it safe? Dustin often goes, it's very safe. It's, it's very, yeah. very safe. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Is it about. safe? No, no, it's not safe. It's not safe at all. <laughs> He'll say whatever he wants to get out of there. And this sort of felt like, are you watching Barry? No. It's sort of like uh, an acting exercise in Barry where they repeat, repeat the same thing over and over again to me. Oh, really? That's like. Well, Olivier I nails know. it. I love you. I love you. Put so I much menace. Uh huh. Each... Is it safe? And we realize. Shell is a dentist by yep. trade. Yep. And he finds a cavity in Dustin Hoffman to pry whatever knowledge he has out of him. Dustin Hoffman doesn't know anything. And he leaves. And Dustin Hoffman is put to bed after a night of torture and pain. <laughs> and he sees Janeway sneak into the into the abandoned. Well, one of the henchmen is like putting a little soothing thing. On his cabinet. Do you think that's just like a, a little uh, airplane bottle of fireball? What do you think that is? Seems what some sort of uh, natural remedy. Oh, he said like myths or something. Yeah, some maybe some sort of Uruguayan balm. That, yeah, uh, some sort of bomb for cheap. The <laughs> shell is discovered. Yes. Um, so Janeway sneaks in and he 
pulls out his knife and stabs the, the henchman that's putting Dustin Hoffman to yep. the bed. And he grabs Dustin Hoffman and says, let's get out of here. And Boom, he goes, shoots the other guy. They're, they're about to get out. He shoots the other guy. All this is, is shot car. from sort of Babe's perspective. A lot of, a lot of yep. first person sort of camera yep. shots. And then Janeway gets him in the car and drives away around and says, what does he want? Gets the lowdown on what just happened to Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman tells him everything. And he says, Janeway is also trying to interrogate him and figure out what he knows. He goes, what did Doc tell you? And then Jane. He didn't tell me anything. Janeway loops back to the warehouse and then brings him back in. At which time he's tied back to the chair and Shell says, oh, it was just all an act. <laughs> it was a retractable knife and they were blanks. Yep. And Dustin's in for a rough night because the Shell, the white, what is it, white hair. Yeah, divides the angle. for the cavity. Yep, he's says, oh, that tooth is already dead. We're dying. Yeah, alive nerves, much alive. more painful. <laughs> Yeah, and Dustin has a rough night. Yes. Now I get a little, uh, I get a little blank. Just the, actually, the just the drilling noise I remember was a little bit nauseating. That was pretty painful for a viewer. Yeah. It's yeah. just like. Well, it, it uh, doesn't. It doesn't show a ton of the torture. torture. Doesn't show a ton of the torture. Um, but we cut away from it. No, it doesn't show it, but you hear it, and you hear that in your. Years and it's just like rah. <laughs> so the I guess the next morning or like later that morning because it's late at night, uh, maybe like three a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, the henchmen are gonna go dispose of Dustin Hoffman, I guess. Yeah, throw him into the East River. Right? And uh, they somehow just let Dustin Hoffman slam the door on him and start running away. Yeah, which you know, barefoot. Even though even barefoot. This is why I hate so all this barefoot running. Uh, you know, people getting dragged barefoot. Ah, oh, my toenail. I can't watch that. That's almost as bad as the dental thrills <laughs> for me watching a movie. Um, so they get into a like a long chase. Janeway. And he gets Janeway. Closing speed. Chasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Dustin Hoffman. He's, he grits through the pain. He's a marathoner. He gets his, his wits about him again. His feet, yep. other sea legs are back. And he is back in marathon mode. And he knows his way through the city. Yep. Goes through some sort of dump warehouse and ends up on a bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge. He's about, they, Janeway and the henchmen have got the car yep. and are about to hit him on the bridge. But Dustin Hoffman jumps from one bridge to another bridge. Bam. Escapes. Hero mode. Yeah, he, this is, you know, put a cape on that guy. Well, this is where Babe really comes into his own. Yep. Goes back to the apartment. Sees a car in front of it. Yes, that's correct. This whole time at the beginning, he's been running. We've seen these neighbors from across the street, these local toughs who call him a queer and stuff like that. Hey, creep. (laughs) Creep. Creep. Creep, yeah. Creep. They don't. They don't say queer. <laughs> <laughs> they say creep. I think so one of them says off. something about his shorts. Ah, uh, maybe. But he's only wearing. <laughs> he was always jogging in sweatpants. I don't know what. Uh, maybe. Maybe um, I'm wrong. 
So Dustin Hoffman does not go to his apartment because he sees that it's being surveilled. Instead, yeah. he goes to enlist the help of the local gang members uh, and neighbors of his. Yes. He rings their doorbell and rings their doorbell and the mom answers and he says, where's Suihu? Yeah. Suihu, wake him up. And the son comes on the speaker and says, He's uh, like, man, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he's like, it's, it's Ted, whatever his real name is or whatever. And yeah, the guy Ted. Goes, no, no, Ted. And he goes, it's creep. And then, then he lets him in. You guys like creep. Creep. <laughs> oh yeah. Dustin Hoffman barters with this man in his gang and says, "I need you to break into my apartment and get me some shoes, some damn shoes." Oh, his gun. Gun too. Yeah. And clothes. Yes. Clothes. Gun. That's shoes. that's where that's and where the doc. This, middle of the night scene comes in we know he has a gun yeah the very well, gun his father used to kill himself to kill himself yeah lots of flashbacks show that <laughs> yes. so dustin hoffman seeing his father he was on a swing uh, after yeah he was on a swing and then so um the gang goes well no 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 no. he says the, the gang members like what's the catch babe says the catch is it's dangerous other guy goes nah that's not the catch that's the fun yep and dustin hoffman says you can have my tv and everything else in there his hi-fi they're actually they're actually robert (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah but he he doesn't have any other choice (laughs) no he's yeah they're actually it's a deal it's a good deal for him to make um so we see this is probably the funny part of the movie yeah, it's like a, a naked gun sort of situation <laughs> where the, all of them are about to break into the, the apartment and Jane Waite pops out from the stairwell and puts a gun and they all put guns on him. <laughs> they, you know, and they, Jane Waite's like, okay, I'm outnumbered. Um, <laughs> then Dustin Hoffman calls Elsa because he still is unaware that she's a meant part of this. Yes. I, I don't know. I think, I think he so. trusts her. Yeah, which is surprising because I do not. Um, and he says, meet me, you know, at the CVS, blah, 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 at 5 a.m. Yeah. So she goes and picks him up and he and she drive out to the country where they're looking for safety. But as he pulls up to the house, he gets a little bit suspicious. And he says, whose house is this? And she says, a friend of mine. Friend of mine. No. And the Freud. Freud. <laughs> and it comes out that it's Shell's brother's house, the yep. Nazi who died in the oil explosion at the beginning. So he's a little bit like, when are they going to show up? You set me up, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And he waits there and they arrive, the henchman and Janeway, not yep. Shell. Shell's <clears throat> got other things to do. Shell and Janeway have made a plan that Shell will finish up his. His business deal, his business soon because he's causing trouble. <laughs> um, in this house, they have a big shootout, and Dustin Hoffman, uh, Janeway protects Dustin Hoffman. Yep. Uh, but then Dustin Hoffman, as he's leaving, uh, well, they Janeway make a deal. Shoots Elsa. Mm-hmm. He Janeway they says he'll go. let Doc Babe go. Babe gets to kill Shell. Revenge for Doc. Janeway gets to keep the diamonds. Yep. 
Yep. So Janeway was playing in the Steel of Diamonds all along. Is that yeah. what we're oh man? Don't <laughs> trust that guy. So Janeway shoots Elsa, Doc or Babe shoots Janeway, Janeway through, through the, window, the then, window. Yeah. Yep, through the window. Boom. Um, then Dustin Hoffman is on the route to get Shell at the No, 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 we don't we don't see anything out. after that of Dustin Hoffman. We go right to Shell. In the diamond no, 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 district. No, no, but he knows where to go because Janeway tells him where he's going to oh, go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, diamond so district. We know where Dustin Hoffman is going to go. And Schnell is in the diamond district, which with a lot of Jewish Jews. Riddled. Because he wants Orthodox to, Jews. <laughs> They're everywhere. He wants to figure out how much these diamonds are worth. Yeah. Um, and he's going around and all of them are trying to sell him diamonds. And he just wants to know the price of diamonds. Yeah, so he can figure out how much which is very suspicious. All these yeah. guys are like, you don't want diamonds? <laughs> yep. Finally, he finds a shop where they say, oh, that would be probably be a five carat. It would be 15 grand a carat. So, mm-hmm. you know. Is, but you get one of the guys at the shop maybe recognizes him. Maybe recognizes him and has, uh, has the brand, numbers has tattooed. The numbers tattoos yeah. on his hand. Yeah, and Shell leaves, and across the street, another old lady recognizes him yep. and starts screaming. Vice uh, Angle, <laughs> somebody Angle. stop him! Who will stop him? But no one does. No one does. And she but it creates a, a huge scene. Everyone's looking at her, and yeah. he's just and sort of ignoring out. it. But everyone around mm-hmm. him is turning around and looking at this woman. And she runs out in the street and gets hit. And so yep. that takes a lot more attention onto her. <laughs> yes. Fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> the man from the jewelry shop comes and confronts Shell. Yep. And Schnell, grabs him, says, I knew I recognized you. You know, just out of nowhere, whips out his, uh, his retractable knife and slits his throat. Yep. And then escapes. Down well, the no, throat. then he's like, How? Someone help this man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyone a doctor? Yeah. Escapes down the subway, and he goes. Oh man, I lost my. Goes bed. to the bank. Where does he go after? Goes he goes to the bank. To goes the bank to the safety deposit so box. So excited. Yep. He's, he's opening all the different band aid containers. There's like a Tylenol so container. Thrilled. It's got hundreds of diamonds. diamonds. Yeah. The the guard is like, "Are you okay in there?" Because he's so excited. <laughs> yeah. And he is. So he leaves the bank and Dustin Hoffman's there waiting for him with the gun. Leads him through the city and they end up at... No, 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 no. When he he gets out, Dustin Hoffman goes, it isn't safe. Mm. (laughs) Good callback. Man, Dustin Hoffman was thinking about that line all day. It's like you, you ever like get in sort of like a weird public confrontation with a stranger and you just think of the perfect line like an hour later you know the germans have a word for that what is it treppenwitz it means it means staircase it means staircase thought it's what you think of as you're walking the staircase down after you've had the confrontation (laughs) Mm. well he those germans are pretty clever aren't they That is a good word. Trapping Yeah. It isn't safe. It isn't safe. <laughs> yeah. 
So Dustin Hoffman see, leads Schnell through the city to his normal racetrack. Yep. A water treatment plant we have seen many times before. It's where Elsa was timing him. It's like yep. midway through. Yep. He, they go into the water treatment plant and there's a water treatment guy there and he says, get the hell out of here. <laughs> and um, then Dustin Hoffman, uh, you were a little wary because they're in close quarters and we know he's, he's got, got the blade for a tractable knife. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman doesn't know he's got the gun. Yeah. Uh, uh, Snell puts down the uh, the briefcase of diamonds and opens it up and offers it to Dustin yeah. Hoffman. It's a way to lure him. He, he thinks everyone will be seduced by the glitter of the diamonds. Dustin <laughs> Hoffman is not seduced. Nope. And they get into... They, they, Dustin Hoffman says, uh, "You can re, you can keep as many as you can swallow yep. of the diamonds." And he goes, the "He diamonds. goes swallow? swallow. What do you what do you what do you mean?" <laughs> Dustin Hoffman starts throwing the diamonds yeah. at him and into the water treatment facility. Yep. And Schnell catches them and finally millions swallows, of dollars swallows down the drain. Dry swallows a diamond like way worse than a one. Million times. <laughs> you, he, he does. Lord Slayer does a great job acting where he can like see it going down his throat and into oh. his stomach, and he's like, Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> and I think just shoot him in the leg now. But Dustin Hoffman doesn't do that, he instead throws the briefcase down a spiral staircase, yep. which now in his old people state and desperation. Down falls down the spiral staircase and accidentally stabs himself in the, the tummy. What's well, it's a nice reveal because you sort of see him down on the ground and you sort of see him there and mm-hmm. he like is like a close up and he's like, oh no. <laughs> he pulls it out and then he falls into the water and yep. then is dead face yep. down. Yep. I thought he would have died just from he's a little old. I thought he would have died just from the staircase fall. You thought it's good that that he good stabbed himself Joe. Made. What yeah, you know? Good. It's like uh, he he's wrought his own destruction with his murder mm-hmm. and mayhem. He's committed with he his. He does act. speak a lot about old paranoia and how that is what drove him. He was so yeah, paranoid. Dustin often is like, you, "You you did all this because you were afraid someone would rob you," and he's like, "Yes, mm-hmm. yeah." <laughs> it's very pitiful. <laughs> yeah, and then Dustin Hoffman leaves the water treatment facility. Throws the gun into this lake and then walks yes. away. Symbolically burying the past, moving beyond mm-hmm. his father's suicide, simultaneously exonerating his father's memory through this act of heroism committed with the gun that he took his own life with. And Joe says yeah. something like, oh, you are weak, like your father, like your brother. So like your brother. Suggests mm-hmm. somehow maybe his dad knew Joe. Maybe was... Involved in some what? way. How his dad? Oh, maybe. So you think his dad actually? Oh, maybe he felt a little guilty working with the Nazis. Just, I think, think he's a, making assumptions like, based on the fact that he killed himself, or that yeah, that he killed himself, and that he's been working with Doc for so long. He definitely researched Doc, and he's yeah. been tailing Dustin Hoffman, so he's yeah. well researched. So, uh, he has a lot of time. What did you think? 
Oh, I love this. Yeah. This is for me one of the classic political thrillers. Um, uh, is that what makes a Carter's pick? What in particular made it a Carter's pick? Well, the the labyrinthine plot. I think it's very fun when you watch a movie and you don't know what's happening. This this mm-hmm. movie is a classic of that sort of genre. Where like half an hour into it, you're like, "What? <laughs> what? What's going on? Why am I seeing this?" Yeah, yeah. It takes you takes you about an hour. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the part where you, you just have, have, to, you have it, to be the the part where you see the the Parisian protesters and doc for the first time you're like what <laughs> what is happening yeah, yeah. well um, you have to be sort of a, a discerning viewer viewer who realizes that they're gonna connect at some point yes so yes it, that's just how you have to i mean i'm, I'm a sucker for a movie that. that just like throws you into a random situation at the beginning with like the two old men mm-hmm. and it it mm-hmm. works very hard to sort of you know, subtly sort of for the breadcrumbs that connected to the later thing. And it was very, uh, yeah, it was, it was comedy. That, that scene was funny. The yeah. gang breaking into the apartment was funny. Yeah. It's, it was, I mean, it it's, it's a, it's a popcorn thriller, but very intelligently done. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really doesn't sort of treat the audiences as idiots. It you know very you much have a, puts it on you to to sort of figure out what's yeah. happening. Um, what makes it a Carter's pick? I don't scene a most memorable scene. Uh, I don't know. I love the shot of of Zell on the river with the umbrella and mm-hmm. the AK forty seven guys looking on. That's just like I think it's very mysterious. And at that point in the movie, you like really yeah. don't know who this guy is or you know what's going on so i think it's very suggestive um uh i like the scene william devane comes in for the first time uh there's another movie called parallax view which is another 70s uh sort of political espionage thriller and there's a scene in that that i confused with the scene in this very i i I sort of just assume william devane was in the parallax view and it's like no he wasn't (laughs) it's just this movie and for some reason i think they're like the same thing um I don't know. I think this whole sort of era of movies is fascinating. The sort of post-Watergate, post-assassinations of the 60s, paranoia, no one can trust anyone. You know, this the sort of institutions that you've relied on are actually working a, against you. Um, I think it was just a really gritty movie, too. Oh, yeah. And like New York in the 70s is a very rich space for, for cinema. I mean, it's like it's you know an urban metropolis, but it's also like hell on earth. <laughs> so it's you've got a yeah. lot going on because you know this yeah. is the same year a Taxi Driver came out, um, and mm-hmm. a couple years you know seven years after Midnight Cowboy, which is like really dirty New York. When I think of dirty New York, I think of Midnight Cowboy, um, and I don't know you know New York's so different now. Uh, it doesn't have the sort of same element of oh, danger. Dirty that it's still dirty yeah but it doesn't have the sort of element of danger that it used to <laughs> like i you know i never felt like a nazi war criminal was going to stab me with a retractable blade when i lived in new york i think i think in the 70s that could have happened you know, anytime um yeah, some warrior situation <laughs> yeah the the, the graffiti ridden subways 
very evocative for me. Um, did you uh, have you when when did you first see this? When did you last see this? Have you ever done like a critical view of it in your studies? Uh, no, I mean other John Schlesinger movies. Uh, I have um, Billy Liar. Um, was a, it's a pretty key movie for the the British New Wave, which is a era of cinema I'm very interested in. The sort of post austerity, very American influenced sort of era of of British culture, sort of simultaneously happening with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, but uh, you know through the sort of medium of cinema, sort of reflecting this new, angry American influenced, very pop culture savvy. Uh, creators coming out of Britain, which John Schlesinger is, you know, very representative of. Um, William Goldman, I think, is a fascinating figure in the history of Hollywood. Um, it's just such a great confluence of of different sort of elements. Uh, Roy Scheider, <laughs> you lovingly refer to mm-hmm. as Jaws. Jaws. For me, one of the great American mm-hmm. actors. Um, William Devane, my favorite actor of the late 70s. Um, but no, I haven't ever really sort of cast a super critical eye on this. Like, I guess if you were to think about it in a sort of critical manner, it would definitely be in reference to the era in which it was made, which I referred to earlier, the sort of post-Watergate paranoid American thriller, which was, you know, this was a popular movie. Like it made uh, almost five times its it budget. Seems like, it's, it seems like it would be like the guy Ritchie movie of the it'd be like the stature of the uh, <laughs> kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. But but you know, made by an art house director who who made this as sort of a way to recover uh what was sort of a failing film career after he adapted The Day of the Locust a few years before, um, which is a classic of American literature, modernism. Not a great movie though, uh, from what I remember, although mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Black is in it who's another one of those classic sort of 70s actors but um, you know it's just it's just I think very representative of its time but also very entertaining and I think it actually holds up pretty well um, for audiences because it 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 has enough violence and action to sort of keep people interested Um, yeah (laughs) I think you did a good job with your summation but we can move on to the best of Wikipedia. Um, Let's do it. So the first nugget I think is pretty interesting. Marathon Man was the second feature film in which inventor operator Garrett Brown used his then new Steadicam. Do you know what the first movie to use a Steadicam was? Star Wars. Bound for Glory. The Woody Guthrie yeah. biopic directed by Hal Ashby. Um, do you know what a Steadicam is? Uh, is it the you put it on your tummy and it makes sure that you can walk? Yes, that is exactly what it is. So it's isn't it called like a gimbal now? Uh, I don't know. I I mean, I still always think of it as a steady cam. Obviously, they're much more common than they used to be. They're they're really used for a lot of sporting events these days. Uh, a lot of times you see guys on the sidelines with it, but. Uh, the steady cam in this was used for the sort of chase sequences. The first really famous use of a steady cam is the uh, New York, or sorry, the Philadelphia Art Museum shot in Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Where it okay. sort of tracks him up the stairs. 
uh the one in bound for glory is like amazing it starts with off it's like on a crane so you get a nice shot over this sort of like uh who was the president uh, in the 20s who they named the sort of homeless camps after do you remember that harding was it harding they called it like hardingvilles or something like that uh maybe it was cool yes (laughs) anyway and then it just sort of goes through one of those sort of camps um but yeah second movie to use a steadicam 1976 uh the movie where the steadicam really came into its own was the shining uh you know the the shots through the hallways so they didn't yeah because you can't really put a whole like train tracks down to like follow as easily well you'd see them you'd see them in the shot (laughs) but that's how a lot of sort of steady shots are done is on tracks where the camera is yeah. plugged in and, and sort of goes to the side but the steady cam gives it a lot more freedom um mm-hmm. this i don't know if i necessarily agree with this but it's on the internet so someone contributed this to the critical understanding of this movie babe originally has childish traits as the film progresses these childish traits are replaced with more adult ones is this true and in, in that he's just not confident and doesn't really speak up for himself i don't I, really know uh, but he didn't really do that at the end. <laughs> he was a freaking grad student. He had, had to speak up for himself at some point. Yeah, I mean, do, do children get accepted into elite seminars at Columbia? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> um, this is another sort of critical interpretation uh, I don't necessarily agree with. Janeway is only interested in his own gain instead of the ideal to advance American interests. Paul Cobley stated in the American thriller, generic innovation and social change in the 1970s, that Janeway can be read as the impersonality of late capitalism or a post-Foucauldian embodiment of the shifting locations of power or a representative of the vicissitudes of the market. Sure. I mean, he could be, but then how I think, is, does this person also read Doc and read Babe in the same sort of vein as? I think I think it's I think it's it's really looking for a lot more to what is a pretty simple sort Important. of representation of untrustworthy American Re- institutions. And untrusted, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's anything about like late capitalism or locations of power. It's basically just about how the people in government you're meant to trust are not trustworthy, which yeah. is very post Watergate um, in its representation of this. Um, Dr. Shell was ranked as villain number 34 on a, the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains list. I think okay, Darth Vader was number one on that. One. I think it's yeah, for Darth I Vader. I was going to guess. It's Darth yeah. Vader or Hannibal Lecter. I think it's one of them. And then I think like the Vader Wicked Witch one. of the West is in like the top five, which I think is BS. Um, <laughs> she's not scary. Uh, maybe if you're five. Uh, the film itself was ranked number 50 on the 100 Years 100 Thrills list. And Dr. Okay, Zell. Yeah. Dr. Joel was ranked in Time Magazine's top 25 greatest movie villains. 
Time Magazine. Doesn't quite have the same cachet it did 20 years ago. Um, the quote, is it safe, was ranked number 70 on 100 years, 100 movie quotes list. Is it safe? Now I'm uh, going to say it all. <laughs> you can keep as, I'm going to say you can keep as many as you can swallow. That's my. That's good. I'm going to say that. <laughs> Hey, do you have any change? You can give as much as you can swallow. <laughs> uh, in the novel written by William Goldman, Janeway and Doc are gay lovers. Huh. Apparently, this is handled is subtly. Doc was calling someone. Yeah, he calls him and says, mm, Janie, I miss you. Get your ass over here. Oh. Which apparently oh. apparently has a subtext, you know, like come over so we can smash. Um I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I remember him calling someone, but I didn't realize it was Janeway. Huh. Yeah. Uh, in the book, apparently their sexual relationship is, is not subtle at all. Um, I don't know if that really adds a lot. Well, Janeway wasn't really in it for, to uh, revenge, for love. to avenge Doc or anything. <laughs> no, so he's I in it to get really money. Yeah. No, I don't think yeah. so either. I think that was, I don't know, maybe a weird William Goldman Thing that he thought made him more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. IMDb trivia. This was pretty spare on what I thought was the juicy sort of details for IMDb trivia. A lot of it's just sort of about like, uh, you know, this person wanted this much money. Uh, Lawrence Olivier had cancer, so he did it to leave his family money, but he lived for another 13 years, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, th- <laughs> I thought this, this was okay. Uh, Sir Lawrence Olivia was so afraid that he would accidentally hurt Dustin Hoffman while filming the torture scene that he would constantly ask Hoffman if he was all right after shooting a take. As a joke, Hoffman tried to make Olivia think that he may have really hurt him by screaming in a very convincing and unexpected manner. Do you believe that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you think Olivier would have been fooled by exactly. I don't know. The the sort of apocryphal myth that apparently is contributed to by William Goldman is that Hoffman and Olivier hated each other. But Dustin Hoffman has has contradicted this and he says that it's just because William Goldman doesn't like him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could see William William Goldman hated Robert Redford, so, uh, you know, maybe he hated Dustin Hoffman just as much. Was William Goldman just on the set? Writers? Don't go to the set all the time, do they? No, but he was a special sort of writer. I mean, he he had won the Oscar the year before for All the President's Men. He had won the Oscar for uh, Butch Cassidy seven years earlier. Uh, he wrote this book, which was the New York Times bestseller. Uh, he wrote, uh, you know, some really successful movies in the 60s. He was a novelist. So, you know, he's one of the more sort of well-regarded screenwriters but apparently the the ending was rewritten by another one of the most famous screenwriters ever robert town writer of chinatown and tequila oh. sunrise one of my favorite movies which i think you'd love oh. um, but anyway it would not be usual for a writer to be like on set but it wouldn't be surprising if william goldman was on set enough to really create an intense dislike of dustin hoffman <laughs> Um, he had to earn that half a million dollars yeah exactly uh do you know the body count of this movie um 
12. Very close. 11. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, gosh. So uh, that's all I've got. Any quotes or anything like that for you? I do. I have, I have a good quote. It's from the professor in their first seminar. Biesenthal. Well, yep. Well, now you four have the dubious honor of having been picked from over 200 applicants for this seminar. Well, let me just say this. There's a shortage of natural resources. There's a shortage of breathable air. There's even a shortage of adequate claret. Is that a wine? Claret, yeah, it's a wine. Claret? Yeah. <laughs> but there is no shortage of historians. Yep. We grind you out like, like sausages, link sausages. It's called progress. Manufacturing doctors is like progress. And then I've got... Uh, Jaws or Doc, when yeah. he's drinking his wine with uh, Beaujolais, and they're talking. They're talking about the oil life, thing. Yep. but you know he's talking about spy life. He says, "My life's thrown away anyway. I'm supposed to be the best in my business, right? I'm the best because people think I'm the best. I'm yep. past it, and I know it. And sooner or later, it's going to become common knowledge. Yep, which it does. It does." I like I like the show I like the show one. So, oh, the Americans always thought that God was on their side. (laughs) (laughs) Or he talks to he talks to someone about their country. He's like, we all did it for our countries. We all believed in our country. Janeway, Janeway, yeah. I believe in my country. We all believed in our country. (laughs) Yeah. I think Shell was just in it for the diamonds myself. I don't know if you really <laughs> believed in Germany. Well, it was, he like was, he earned them, well, earned them, stole them by yes. smuggling, he smuggled Jews out of Auschwitz and took all their gold and their diamonds. Well, remember, it says he started with gold because he would extract the filling. From their teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and my was, uh, assumption was that the diamonds were like, you know, I give you diamonds, you don't murder us. Mm-hmm. Shell was like, joke's on you. I'm going to murder you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. sort of what I got from it. I'd, where, you thought he was smuggling people in exchange for the diamonds? I guess that's possible. I thought he would just like, that's what the story I remember hearing in the movie was like, he would like let them go out of Auschwitz and get them out of there. I thought that it was sort of like, like a, he he promised him that, but ultimately did not deliver. I think, oh well, I'm too gullible. I bet you're right. <laughs> he thought he was Nazi <laughs> with the heart of gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, don't I, think, know. I just believed it when I was just wrong. I think that was the implication that that you know those people yeah. didn't make it out, <laughs> despite Oof. separating themselves with their diamonds. Very bad. He yeah. has a lot really, of diamonds. I, yeah. <laughs> and me, that, that's a real mess up on my part from actually believing that he got him out. I should have <laughs> had that thing. Well, I mean, the <laughs> movie doesn't really present too many nice guys or people who do good things. So I don't, I think it would be yeah. Yeah. not in keeping with 
most of the characters if you know he actually did get people out um i love the scene with the woman screaming across the street i think that's great i think anytime yeah like scenes are made in public and everyone's just sort of like oh my god what's happening um Mm -hmm. i think it's electric Uh, and then with the bluff where the guy you know it's actually oh i recognize it then he stabs him oh favorite i love the shot where he's driving away from that and you see the whole sort of crowd through the rear view mirror and he like looks back and the mm-hmm. car is going the he other jumps way. in the taxi yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just got some great stuff i mean schlesinger is a he's a top-notch director very much recommend yeah. his stuff uh darling is a really good movie with your boy lawrence harvey from <laughs> the manchurian candidate <laughs> Remember he played oh, the, okay. the the guy who gets hypnotized. Um, yeah, he gets to use his his real British accent, which he hardly conceals in uh, Manchurian Candidate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Marathon Man, nineteen seventy six, John Schlesinger, William Goldman, Dustin Hoffman, Lawrence Olivier, Roy Scheider, William Devane, streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, Let's let's boost those numbers and get Marathon Man in the top five. (laughs) Yeah, Amazon doesn't do that like Netflix, where they tell you what what's like trending. I kind of like that. Well, next time will be a Dick's Picks, but I'll tell you what we're not going to do is Project X because damn Bill Simmons and the Rewatchables released theirs last week. Was was Project X on the Dick's Picks shortlist? Yeah, it was in my notes app. Uh, and, you know, I just we referenced it with Miles Teller and Top Gun at some point, yep, and yep. Uh, I was they got to it before, so we just got to keep moving with the dick picks before they hit us. <laughs> got to stay one step ahead of the competition. I mean, when the when the rewatchables does uh, best men, we'll know that they're just copying us. <laughs> yeah, or the skulls. I think it's more yeah. likely they do the skulls. I think the right. skulls, uh, yeah, I could see one with like Shea Serrano on the skulls. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, I Marathon guess, Man. I guess we'll be back next month, right? We'll be we'll back July. Will it be a, a summer esque movie? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I gotta. I, I, we gotta figure it out. You're we'll shook. What we got. The short list yeah. needs to be expanded. Yeah, it really does. Uh, well, maybe maybe we'll continue with the uh, the political thrillers for mine and, and do Parallax View for the next one. Okay. Parallax View is brilliant. It's got like it. the most bleak ending you'll ever imagine. <laughs> this one did. This one kind of had a happy ending, I guess. Yes, apparently the the real ending that William Goldman wanted was. Uh, instead of the whole diamond swallowing thing, that babe just like shoots him and gets arrested. I think this ending's better. Yeah, this is better. <laughs> swallowing diamonds is just genius. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean it's instantly iconic. Um, and then the stabbing or throwing the gun in the water. Ah, it's brilliant. Amazon Prime, seek this out. It's a great movie. Another good yeah. Carter's pick. Yeah, I'd say so. The first yeah. one, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, was a little too yeah, extreme. You've been on a roll since then. 
<laughs> for me, that's yeah. still the best movie I've, I've done. I love I love Umbrellas for sure. Work. <laughs> nah. <laughs> this one's the best one. Oh, this one's the best one so far. Yeah. Oh, well, the Dick's Fix endorsement. Um, well, thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back with you guys next month. July. See you then.